I'd like to welcome you all to Sunday service. We're Naya Swamis. I'm Ananta. That's Maria. We're very glad you could join us. We have our guests from the Expanding Light. We have our uh, How to Meditate uh, group. We have our personal retreatants and the community members. And we have members online. And it's a satsang. And so all of you are contributing to the vibration. Thank you all for coming and for being here, including people online. You're here with us in spirit. I would like to read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. Faith is a call to prayer. Prayer is a call to faith. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 7 and 21, we read, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Verily, I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Paramahansa Yogananda showed by his own example that prayer is a power, provided we believe deeply in that power. When our thoughts and feelings are strongly focused and then united in growing awareness to the divine presence within, they can bring even seemingly unrealistic wishes to fulfillment. When Paramahansa Yogananda was in charge of his school in Ranchi, India, he took the boys on occasional outings to the surrounding countryside. There was a waterfall not far away, he told Swami Kriyananda, where I took them sometimes. It was dangerous to cross there, but I would cry out to the boys, Do you believe in God? Yes, they would shout back enthusiastically, and so we always crossed in safety. Years later, after I'd gone to America, one of the teachers tried to do the same thing, but he lacked spiritual power. One of the boys slipped on a rock and was drowned. Thus, the master explained, belief alone is not enough. It must be united to one-pointed awareness, which leads to self-realization. The Bhagavad Gita, in the sixth chapter, underscores the necessity for such one-pointed concentration. Whenever the mind, fickle and restless, wanders off from its concentration, let the meditating yogi withdraw it resolutely, spurning every distraction, no matter how alluring, and bring it back again and again under the control of the self. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh, oh. As Ananta said, <clears throat> just thank you for helping to create this vibration here. It's always so powerful to be here um, in any capacity as a part of Sunday service. It actually makes it hard sometimes to talk, but there we have it. So <clears throat> this is from Yogananda's uh, Whispers from Eternity. And this is entitled, 
uh, prayer before practicing concentration. Teach me, O Spirit, by meditation to stop the storm of breath, the skipping of my mental restlessness, and all the sensory disturbances that rage on the lake of my mind. Let the magic wand of my intuition halt the gale of passions and unnecessary desires. In the rippleless lake of my mind, then, let me behold the undistorted reflection of the moon of my soul, glistening ever with the reflected light of thy presence. <clears throat> So our uh, subject this morning is faith is a call to prayer. Prayer is a call to faith. Uh, a very powerful truth. But also when I hear those words, at least, it's, I feel this dance happening between the two, these uh, sacred aspects of communion, very tightly interwoven, each in support of the other, prayer and faith. And I think this passage from the Bible is a wonderful way to begin this subject because it's a very powerful truth that is given here, a very powerful command. And behind those words and behind the strength and power of that command is the belief, the faith, on the part of the masters, of, of all saints, sages, gurus, that we all can do just that. We can, in prayer, magnetize a divine response. We can, in prayer and openness, help to bring about some desired consequence or circumstance. And we can move the mountain. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I would gather that in addition to myself, some of you read that and kind of go, you know, you just, I pull back a little bit. The mountain, I, what are we talking about here? You know, miracles? I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. And, um, but again, this truth and this belief on the part of the masters that yes, you can do this and greater things. And you know, when we talk about this mountain, it's one thing to think in terms of matter and the material plane and a physical reality and moving it from one place to another. But what's really important here for us as disciples is the movement of the mountain of delusion. That's, I think that's what's really being talked about here for us and that is most relevant to us in terms of our spiritual lives. An autobiography of a yogi when Lahiri Mahasaya is called it the Himalaya, it's, it's one of the many of favorite quotes, but he has shown this elaborate uh, palace materialized out in the middle of nowhere, gleaming with gems and divine light and radiance. And he's in awe, naturally. And his guide says to him, anyone 
who realizes himself as a son of God can manifest such a reality and much, much more. And then Yogananda goes on to say that even as a stone within itself secrets a stupendous atomic power, so also any mortal secrets within himself a powerhouse of divinity. So again, that same theme that we have within us, that ability when attuned with the divine, when we are asking to be in tune with that higher consciousness, that divine consciousness, the divine will, that power can move through us as God wills it or not, but there's that full openness and receptivity to that power being present. The key is, as in that passage from the autobiography, realizes himself. And that's the distinction that Yogananda made in this account. It's a tragic account. You know, it's, it's awful that that had to happen. What a difficult way to learn a lesson, to hear a truth. And yet, Yogananda pointed out, made that distinction, that spiritual power is centered in divine experience, divine consciousness, and a deep faith uh, that is born in that inner experience. One time, Yogananda uh, went, he loved to go on pilgrimage, visit the holy spots, uh, and when he returned uh, to visit his guru, 1935, 1936, he went on pilgrimage to a place about 80 miles south of Kolkata uh, called Ganga Sadgar. And every year on a particular day at a particular time, it is a celebration of holiness. It's a sacred event. Uh, it's at the point where the river Ganga uh, it spans out very, very wide, and it meets the Bay of Bengal. I don't know what the sacredness in particular is about it, but it's, it's one of uh, Mother India's many holy, sacred sites. And so he went there with other members of the family, with Hare Krishna Ghosh, who many of you know and, or have heard of, and they went there on a steamship, and they were about halfway the distance and out in the middle of this huge expanse of water, when all of a sudden, the boat, this big boat carrying all these people, hundreds of people, you know, go to this event from all over India, the boat started to sink down, 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 so much so that water was slapping over the deck. People were frantic. The, the steward of the ship, of the boat, the captain was frantic and people were running around and all of a sudden a group of them you know focus in on Yogananda and he's you know dressed in orange he's this swami uh, ochre clad robes and all of a sudden they're running up to him and saying please 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 save us save us you've got to save us and Yogananda says be calm don't worry sit down don't run around in fear, sit down, and you pray to God to save your lives. You do it. And they sit down, and they close their eyes, they get calm and still. For about 
Five or ten minutes, he said. And then, all of a sudden, the boat started to lift up again out of the water. And it was buoyant. And they were able to continue their journey. But these people said to Yogananda, thank you, thank you, thank you, you've saved our lives. And he said, no, I didn't save your lives. You prayed to God and you saved, you saved all your lives. And you know, he wanted them to have that experience. They were receptive. They prayed with intensity. They prayed with one-pointed focus. And they drew that divine response. And again, as it said in the readings, that was the power of Yogananda's life. He just showed what a living reality, what a living truth, this form of communication, of exchange is with Divine Mother. Yogananda tells another story in the autobiography of Sashi, a friend of his. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, if it's Sashi or Sashi, but I'll just leave it at that. Anyone know? Soshi, thank you, because I certainly want to do it right if I can. So Soshi, a friend of Yogananda's, and they would frequently visit uh, Sri Yukteswar together. And when Soshi first came to, and, and met Yukteswar, there was this recognition on a soul level, and Yukteswar had a, a, a great fondness for him, kind of an unusual warmth towards this person. And when Soshi would visit back and forth, there would be this dialogue sometime that it consisted of uh, Yukteswar warning Soshi. You know, if you don't change your wild life and put your life in order, you're going to find that uh, ill health is going to prevail. You know, you're going to be in trouble. In a year's time, you're going to be very ill. And this would go back and forth almost on every visit. And Soshi would always say, oh, I, you know, you're, I believe in you. I have faith in you. I know if anything in my karma emerges and, you know, you'll fix it. You'll take care of it. And this was always his answer. Finally, Yukteswar said, you know, you really need to do something about this because, you know, ill health is going to take over your life. And uh, Yukteswar said, why don't you get a two-carat sapphire stone and wear that and keep that with you? And so she said, I can't afford it. I, I know if anything happens, you'll take care of me. Always, this was the exchange. So uh, a year goes by. And in fact, Yukteswar said, if you, if you don't heed this, you'll come back to me in a year and you will throw sapphires at my feet and they will be useless. So a year does go by and Yogananda was with Yukteswar and there's this knock at the door and Yukteswar kind of stiffens and says, I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him. It's that Soshi. And, but Soshi just bursts in, runs upstairs, sobbing, throws three sapphires at Yukteswar's feet and says, you've got to do something. They've diagnosed me with terminal tuberculosis, and I have a very short time to live. And he's sobbing and just beside himself. And Yukteswar says, these are useless. You know, Yukteswar says, these are useless. They're of no good to you now. And so she says, well, save me, save me, save me. And uh, this Yukteswar just goes into the spine, meditates for about an hour. And finally he says, 
Return these to the jeweler. They're of no use to you. Get an astrological bangle and wear it. And, and so she says, well, you know, is everything okay? And he says, he says there is, uh, what did he say, the more likely that the sun and moon would exchange their places than that you would die of this illness. So, so she is pleased. He exits. His health continues to go downhill. And Yogananda sees him, and Yogananda can't believe how awful he looks, runs back to Teshwar, tells him about it, and lo and behold, at that same time, so she is well. But the real important thing about this story, and it's, it's a little odd because there is this clear kar- you know, karmic bond between Soshi and Yukteswar, and he feels such a fondness and a love for this soul. And Yogananda says he felt, he felt an inner conviction that Yukteswar was testing his faith. And yet, after this healing, Soshi didn't come around anymore. He didn't visit Yukteswar. He, Yogananda described that he said he saw him, his will stiffened by that experience. In other words, his ego. And he acquired uh, inappropriate manners, you know. Uh, just wasn't, didn't relate to Yukteswar. He was so consumed with this... Uh, with shame over his previous behavior and perhaps his continuing behavior. But in any case, he separated himself. And, you know, it's a little odd. It must have not been, clearly it wasn't been, it wasn't a faith of the deepest kind. It wasn't a faith born of superconscious awareness. It was, he knew Yukteswar had that power and he relied on it, he depended on it, he presumed on it. But then once that was given, he just went back to his life. There is nothing about trying to go deeper in that consciousness of the individual, the man, the teacher who had thus healed him. And so, you know, what his prayer was for health. His prayer was for an extension on his life. But he didn't get the most priceless gift, which was attunement to that divine reality. What does the other matter It's that mountain of delusion that we need to concern ourselves with, that God gives us the power to move aside and to cast out once and for all. Swami Kriyananda makes the point, he reminds us, when we pray, we always finish with Om. We finish with Amen. In the Muslim tradition, it's Amin. But all of these words are a reference to the Holy Spirit. And isn't it interesting that prayer is within that context? It comes from perhaps somewhat of a lost in certain circumstances memory. But a memory that prayer leads us, guides us to that depth of divine experience. It brings us into the superconsciousness. And superconsciousness is the fertile soil in which faith is born, faith is realized. Yogananda said when we have a prayer to we feel to pray and for something or you know what have you, 
to offer those prayers, be they material or spiritual, into the vibration of Om. Feel that, you know, in meditation, after we meditate and we feel some relative depth to give that prayer into that experience and awareness of that sacred vibration. And he says, but most especially, I mean, material, yes, spiritual, spiritual, most importantly, you know, the desire, the prayer to know God, to experience God, to have a strong faith, to be able to cultivate a deep faith. Because faith, faith puts us on that solid ground where the world doesn't need to make sense. Our life doesn't really need to even make sense, at least the circumstances of it. All of that really doesn't matter. That is God's dream. But when we stand on that solid ground of faith, we're okay with that. We're okay with it. A very dear friend of mine, long time, uh, for decades, I'll just call her Rita for uh, ease because I don't want to say who she is and I don't want you figuring it out. <laughs> but it's not an uncommon experience. She uh, has um, uh, a lot of challenges with family, with children, with relatives. It's always been like that. And that's always been of concern to her because she has a very uh, innate sense of responsibility towards this big family. But there's always this rubbing of one ego against the other. And it uh, just causes her a lot of um, unsettledness around it. But the interesting thing about it is that she has always prayed for all the members of her family, always prayed for herself that she behave correctly, behave appropriately, be kind, be loving, no matter what. And sometimes the miracle does happen. Sometimes it does, you know, break through and either she responds in the right way or they respond in the right way and it all comes together for a little while. But what I've seen in her life again and again is her faith is so strong and she's gotten to the place now over so many years, she's been able to just see it for what it is. You know, it, this is the way it is. It's not always perfect. It's not always harmonious. But if I am open, if I am at peace within myself, if I feel God's presence, it's okay. It's all going to be fine. They're okay. They are well. And just this strong, deep-seated faith in the divine will. We can only do what we can do. And then our prayer really needs to be that we feel, that we are able to feel God's truth, God's presence in ourselves and be comfortable with what is the divine will. The divine will, just because it's the divine will, doesn't mean it manifests as perfection as we would see it or want it on this plane. The divine will comes in all fashion of experiences, tragic and joyful and everything in between. So to pray to be in tune with that divine will and to make that really a strong focus in our lives as disciples, really giving over this life so that it can be a vehicle for the divine will. And that's the Gita reading. Keep bringing the attention back 
to the goal. I remember in the early, uh, my early days of Ananda,、uh, working in the gardens, and we were in a very serious drought at that time. Very little water,、um, one pond less than we have now. It's all a gravity feed, and almost all the water we did was by furrow. And you know, if you can just go back in time a little bit and imagine. You know, cutting this trough in this in really hard soil and putting a hose at the end of it and leading it down the length of a field, and sometimes one line, sometimes seven furrows, all running simultaneously. And your job, your focus, is to keep the water from going anywhere else than to the plants, and it is no easy job. The place is riddled with gopher holes. It's constantly going out. As it moves the length of the row, a natural process of siltation happens, and then it sort of dams up and stops. And it's maybe a third of the way down or two thirds of the way down. But you need to get it to the end and not waste any, because there isn't much of it. So it has to just make it to the end, fully absorbed, no waste. And it's a—it's just a—it's an intense. Effort to try and keep it all in the channel, and we know that as well in our lives. It's an intense effort to keep all the energy in the channel of the spine and bring it to the brain in realization. Allow it to move upward, so that realization can express through us, can live through us. Swami Kriyananda said, "Gradually, even the most restless mind." Can obey the guidance of the higher self within. So, you know, it's one of the things I probably hear most in teaching meditation. People just say, "Yeah, but my mind is so restless. My body is so restless. I can't do this." And the masters are saying, "You can do this. You can move the mountain of delusion. You know, just keep." Bringing it back gradually, the most restless mind can obey the higher self within. So, as we channel our effort, as we channel our devotion in that way, we come to super consciousness, wherein faith resides, and then our life becomes that vehicle, that instrument through which. The divine accomplishes His will.、Yeah. Thank you.